Welcome to the Swike Podcast, the only podcast that shares the stuff you didn't know you needed to know about jobs, careers, and life. The Swike Podcast, the stuff I wish I knew earlier. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier podcast. We're here with one of our new guest hosts, uh, Josh Shacknow, and he comes to us with a background in law, uh, specifically immigration law. So how are you doing today, Josh? I'm doing well, Luki. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's all good. Happy to talk about uh, all things Josh and uh, a lot of the interesting things that you're up to. So uh, on that, what are you up to these days? What's keeping you busy nowadays? Yeah, so I'm an immigration lawyer by by trade, and um, I do a little bit of immigration law, but most of my time is spent on a legal tech company called Visto.ai, mm-hmm. and we build immigration automation. So I spent the first few years of my career as a quote-unquote traditional immigration lawyer and quickly got bored of doing some of the paperwork and stuff like that, <laughs> and so got into building technology to kind of automate the processes and hopefully make the experience better. Sounds good. And uh, I'd love if we get more into the interesting part and talk a little bit about Josh as he was growing up. So what was Josh like as a kid, uh, maybe earliest childhood memories? Uh, what was like Josh? What was Josh like growing up? Yeah, probably not as interesting. I, I was like a pretty <laughs> boring, quiet kid. I'll, I'll be honest. You know, I was like pretty, I guess, studious. I pretty, you know, I was a you know, well-behaved, did well in school. I'm an introvert. I'm a homebody. All that, all that kind of stuff. I played a lot of sports, so so most of my earliest memories are just, you know, hanging out, playing sports, uh, a lot of time with friends. I grew up in a in a nice neighborhood in Ottawa. Okay. Uh, much, you know, I'm based in Toronto now, which is a little bit bigger and louder, and so I had a pretty, yeah, I don't know, pretty standard childhood, I guess you could say. Nothing, nothing too crazy, or, you know, sports, school, friends, that kind of stuff. Cool. And, and what were some of the influences? Because obviously you ended up in law. So sports and law don't generally mix. Uh, being <laughs> kind of quiet and studious somewhat uh, kind of relate to that. So what were the influences of, of law? Did you have like siblings or cousins or, or people around you that, that were interested in that? Or is that like a typical, like, you got to be a doctor, lawyer, accountant, engineer? <laughs> Was that droned into you? Or what were those influences? Yeah. Like? It's a good question. There, there's no lawyers in my family. So it wasn't okay. that that really influenced it. I'll, I'll say my parents never pressured me, but they always made school a priority. They always okay. wanted us to do well in school, my sister and I. They always, you know, made it clear in, in that parental guilt way to, you know, <laughs> keep studying, do well, you know, get a degree, get a couple degrees, get a good job, et cetera, et cetera. Law always, I was always drawn to it. I think part of it is the media, right? The way it portrays yeah. the profession and the movies and the TV shows and, you know, and, and the respect that you kind of see. I think part of it was I've always been a decent thinker and I, I always knew I was always drawn to and knew that I wanted to do something pretty mentally stimulating and challenging. And uh, I always loved the idea of wearing suits every day, which ironically now I never do anymore, right? Sure. After a couple months of wearing suits every day, I quickly realized it's very overrated. But I, I love the idea of, you know, putting on a suit every morning, going in, dealing with challenging problems and, you know, helping people and, and stuff like that. And so I was lucky in the sense that I, for as long as I can ever remember, I always wanted to be a lawyer. I probably didn't always have a good answer as to why, but I was always drawn to the profession, and that's just where I went on my path. I, I, I did my undergrad is in business, so I have a BCom, 
but I always knew I was going to do business in undergrad and then go to law school. And I never remember thinking otherwise. So part of it's just, I guess, luck, because I know a lot of folks don't have that certainty, understandably, right? It's a tough decision to make what to study in undergrad. What do you want to do with your life? Uh, but I always knew. So, yeah. So, sounds good. And can you talk to us a little bit about uh, like maybe a little bit more of those influences? So, so is it really like you were brainwashed by TV to, to, to wear suits <laughs> and be that? Or um, I, don't, I don't know, like the critical thinking, as you kind of stitch all those t together, it, it, it kind of makes sense. But I don't, what, can you go back in time and think of a moment that says, hey, law first got on your radar at this point. And then it, it seems like it's more like a slow buildup, that sort of thing into it. Uh, I'm just curious yeah. how that certainty kind of develops. I, I can't pinpoint a moment. I really think it's a combination of having just from the media and just the, the world in general, the, the, the respect, maybe that's not the right word that's shown towards professions like lawyers, doctors, accountants, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I'd never liked the sciences or numbers, so I didn't want to be a doctor or an accountant. Okay. I'm Jewish, like a, a, a Jewish parents love a, you know, if the, their son could grow up and be a lawyer, like, you know, there, there's never any hesitation from their end when I brought up that idea. Okay. And the legal profession, it just drew me in. I, I, I really can't pinpoint a moment, Lukey. I wish I could for you. Maybe it'll pop into my head, but it always attracted me from even books growing up. So for example, I read, I still do read pretty much every night before bed. I read a lot, especially as a young kid. And on this bookshelf, actually, like right here, I don't know if it, for those of you who are watching on um, on video, if you're listening, obviously you won't be able to see, but I have a big bookshelf behind me. This entire row is pretty much John Grisham, right? So I've okay. read probably 15 plus John Grisham novels. I guess that could have been a really big influence. I loved reading. And then I was sucked into his books, which if you've, if you've never heard of or read John Grisham is basically he writes about lawyers. I think he's a former lawyer. And, you know, the crazy adventures and scary things that never happen to real lawyers, but, it, you know, in the books make for make for a great story. So I devoured those books that probably cemented it even more in my mind that I wanted to be a lawyer. But I always knew I always knew. And uh, I guess when when something's that ingrained in your head for whatever reason, and maybe we'll get into this topic a little bit more. When you have that one thing in your head, always, <laughs> it becomes a little bit easier to then make it come to fruition, right? So not, not one moment I can pinpoint. If I think of one, I'll let you know. Yeah, all, all good. So you're, you're, you're in high school and, and you pick BCom because uh, that's your path to, to, to law school. Were there other considerations that you had along the way and you didn't want to do like an English or humanities or anything like that that might have helped? Yeah, it's... It's not that I picked business as a path to law school. It's that I always just knew that I liked business. So okay. that's where more of my family is ingrained in. My okay. dad is an entrepreneur. My mom's dad was an entrepreneur. My dad's dad, you know, worked as an executive in business. So that that's probably where it comes, if you want to say, like, from the blood, right? Like the, the business side of things. Yeah. Um, and it was just always interesting to me. I, I always took like I, in high school, I took the business courses. Those are the things that really interested me. And so I always knew that I had to take a bachelor degree before going to law school. And that degree was going to be in business. Yeah. And again, there was never one moment. I was just drawn to business. I liked the idea of entrepreneurship. I had no interest in any of the others. 
I maybe thought of a few other, I don't know, economics or political science and stuff like that, but it was always business that drew me in. And I'm very happy that it did because number one, I think a, a BCom is a great degree that you can then apply to almost any industry. Number one, I think number two, it helped me uh, post uh, during and post law school. So for example, when you go to law school and you start taking corporate law or, you know, uh, income tax, those kind of things, and you have a general understanding of business and those that terminology, it uh, it really helped. And then, of course, when I graduated, I ended up starting my own firm pretty soon after, which obviously, you know, the business degree has, has helped with. Sounds good. And I'd love if you talk us a little bit through like the whole law school experience, like did that meet your expectations? Like, what were your expectations even by taking it? The, the, the stuff that you read in the books and the movies, <laughs> did they talk and think about that? <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I'm not sure. I'm trying to think about what my expectations were. I knew it was going to be a lot of reading. I knew it was right. probably going to be pretty hard. The first year was definitely a lot of reading and was definitely pretty hard. I think that it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed mm -hmm. my experience. I'm glad I did it. I would say that I didn't quote unquote fit in as well as I thought I would in the sense that I don't think I'm a traditional lawyer, okay. quote unquote. Uh, I don't think I'm as, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, we, we, we could dig into that if you want. I think law school met a lot of my expectations. You go to class if you want. There's a lot of readings. There's a lot of really smart people. There's some people who aren't that smart. Right. Just like anything. Right. So I'd think maybe like you put it on the pet on a pedestal a little bit and just realize, yeah. hey, it's other smart people going to school. Right. Yeah. So I, I wouldn't say law school is any different from like any other postgraduate type degree. Right. Like something like med school, something like a master's degree, a Ph.D., blah, blah, blah. What I was surprised by in law school was that a lot of the other students weren't as certain as I was about even wanting to be in law school or wanting to become a lawyer. So what surprised me was I met a lot of people who were in law school because they finished their bachelor's degree and they didn't know what else to do. So they wrote the LSAT because they knew that like being a lawyer was a good idea, right? Or that it could lead to a good career. So I realized pretty quickly, number one, I didn't, I don't think I fit the prototype of like a typical lawyer, quote unquote. And number two, I was surprised at like, how many people kind of defaulted into going to law school as opposed to being very intentional like I was in going to law school? I've since kind of realized that I'm probably in the minority, right? A lot of people, understandably, and, and this is why one of the reasons I consider myself very lucky, don't really know what to do when you're that young. And understandably so, right? When you're 16, 17, 18, starting to decide what program to take, which could determine your career, we don't know what day it is when we're 17, right? Nobody like that's a huge decision to make. Yeah. Even at 21, 22, when you're then graduating from undergrad, you still don't really know what like we're going to decide what we want to do for the next 50 years of our lives, right? So I was very lucky in that I just always wanted to be a lawyer, but I also understand now that most people don't really know what they want to do when they're deciding on even undergrad, let alone grad school if they chose choose to go there, let alone when they graduate and, and start their career. So that's something I've come to appreciate. For sure. And I'm wondering if you can share like throughout the, the journey, when was kind of your first exposure to a lawyer? Like the, the, when you actually met a, a lawyer uh, practicing or I don't know, maybe teaching or something like that? 
Do you recall? Growing up? Yeah, growing up. Because you said you had no growing lawyers up, in the family. No lawyers in the family, but when, when you grow up in a, in a tight-knit Jewish community, you meet plenty of lawyers. <laughs> so okay. plenty of family friends, more distant family. Like I think a second cousin in Montreal was a lawyer. I met no shortage of lawyers. Okay. And I think that, you know, they were probably all positive influences on me in the sense that, again, they were typically smart, polite, successful, dressed well, looked good, you know, checked all the box and boxes yeah. was like, oh, yeah, like, I would like to be like one of those people one day. Right. And um, here we are. <laughs> cool. And I'm wondering if you can get to kind of as you approach graduation. So you're now close to finishing law, law school and now you need to land a job. What, what was that experience like to, to uh, land a, a job in law? Yeah, the way it works is maybe a little bit different for law school in the sense that most people try to land their job for when they graduate the summer of second year. And the reason for that is typically you... So after your set, yeah, your second year, you work that summer at a firm. And in most, assuming you don't, you know, burn the building down, they hire you back to article, right? So the way it works in Ontario is when you graduate, you have to article, which is basically like a paid internship for 10 months. Yeah. But the way the industry works for whatever reason, I don't know, I didn't design it, is you land a job for the summer after your second year. And if that goes well, they hire you back as an articling student. So most of the job search was actually done during second year. You're doing interviews and stuff during second year to line up that job for the summer. And it's pretty, it's stressful in the sense that obviously trying to land a job can be stressful for anybody, but it's very intense or it was very kind of intense in law school because law students, similarly to, as I mentioned, other like graduate type students, as you can imagine, type A Used to, you know, being successful in everything, competitive, smart, hardworking, willing to hustle, et cetera, et cetera. So the job search is pretty intense and can be a little bit competitive. Yeah. Depends on the school and the type of people you hang out with. I, I developed friendships with pretty cool people where, we, you know, we weren't cutthroat or anything like that. But it's pretty intense. And, and it's what a lot of students are talking about for most of second year, right? Mm. Because... It happens in waves as well, where there will be like, for example, I think it was like end of first semester was like the Toronto uh, round, right? Where like mm -hmm. all the big Toronto firms get together and do a big interview phase thing. And then a couple months later, Ottawa does theirs and then Vancouver and Calgary and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. So anyways, I did not, I was not successful with any of the Toronto firms. I went to Western. I, again, if you're watching, there, there's the degree right there. I went to Western and obviously a popular destination is Toronto. I was unsuccessful landing a job in Toronto. And so I was, I took part, I'm born and raised in Ottawa and I took part in the Ottawa recruitment round and luckily landed a job with an Ottawa firm. And it was very relieving uh, because those who take longer to then land jobs, you're obviously stressed out about landing a job. And then you're also hearing stories from all the other law students who have landed those summer jobs. Yeah. And so it can be very stressful. And then it's like a vicious cycle. So anyways, I got lucky, landed a good job, summered there, got got asked back to article when I graduated. And um, that was that was pretty much it in, in terms of landing it. It wasn't that fun. 
you know, updating <laughs> your resume, sending out applications, yeah. you know, going to all the different interviews, answering the same questions over and over again. But it's 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 part of the part of the shtick, right? Sounds good. And then now that you were relieved and actually landed a job and start the job, like how how was it? Did it did it meet your expectations as exactly as you'd hoped? Uh, again, what they said in the, in the books and the movies and stuff like that you were doing all the things, or is it yeah. a little more or less glamorous than all that? Practicing law is way more boring than in the shows and the movies, obviously, <laughs> right? I mean, and 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 I guess everyone's probably a little bit or maybe not naive to watch shows like Suits. And all the Grisham books and half of them have now been turned into movies and series and stuff on Netflix and whatever. But it's not as glamorous as the media makes it out to be, which is like anything, right? I mean, you can you can go watch shows on Netflix about a doctor's office and uh, whatever, accounting firm. Now there's a drama for every, you know, every type, consultants, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But I think my, my first job, I was doing a lot of civil litigation, which I really didn't like. So I think finding, even just picking the profession is one thing. And then in law, there's still all of these types of law, right? So being a real estate lawyer is very different from being a civil litigator, from being an immigration lawyer, from being a corporate lawyer. The list goes on, right? So I did a lot of civil litigation in articling and I really didn't like it. The court system, so civil litigation, meaning when people or businesses are suing each other, right? Right. And it was long, a lot of writing, a lot of research, court systems, very slow. The process is very slow. 95% of cases settle and don't even go to court. So I worked there for 12, uh, well, four months over the summer and then eight, 10 months articling. So 14 months, never saw a trial, right? It was all paperwork going back and forth, negotiations, stuff like that. But very few cases actually go to trial. So, you know, you see those in the movies, but then you realize that like three to 5% of cases even go to trial. Right. So it was a little more boring than I had hoped. Putting on a suit five <laughs> days a week was a little more of a pain than I had expected. And uh, yeah, there's probably a little bit of that with every job, to be honest, right? You have yeah. something in your mind and in one way or another, the reality is a little bit different and, and that's okay. So it's more about finding something that aligns with what you're excited about, what you're more passionate about, where your interests lie. My interests were not in civil litigation and that's okay, yeah. right? You, you, you find out what you don't like almost as much as what you do like and, and that can be productive as well. For sure. And now you're ultimately in immigration law. And were there a couple of hops and steps to get to there? Or was there some kind of uh, epiphany or revelation that says, ah, uh, like like clouds part and stuff like that. And now you're, you're into that area. Or, or is there a different area of law that you want to practice? Or even you, you mentioned the entrepreneurial route and the tech side. Uh, so maybe that's the path. Uh, can you walk yeah. us through a little bit about the, the, the path from like, eh, not exactly what I want to like now? I mean, when I speak to you, you're, you're really passionate about, about what you do. Yeah, it's, it's, that part's kind of interesting. I total, I fell into it in kind of one swoop. And what I found interesting talking to, a, even while I was articling, I would start chatting with, you know, you're obviously meeting more lawyers at the firm, not at the firm, and asking kind of, how did you get into that area of law? What I found, the most common answer that lawyers told me, which eventually happened to me, was I got a job, and then one day somebody came into my office and gave me a file to work on X, and I liked it. And here I am 30 years later still doing that. Right. And I was like, that's kind of weird. That's kind of like a dumb way 
to, to like develop a specialty. Right. And then, and then that happened to me. So what happened was I didn't want to go back to work at the firm because I didn't like that area of law. And a couple months later, a good friend of mine who I grew up with, whose dad is an immigration lawyer, reached out to me and said, Hey, Josh, I know, you know, you don't, you didn't love the area of law you're, you're working in and you're looking for something else. My dad has been practicing for decades and he's retiring. But he would love to kind of mentor and, and work with a junior lawyer to help them, you know, and, and stay a little bit busy and whatever. Would you want to work with him in immigration law? And I didn't know. I know less than what maybe a lot of your viewers or students or followers know about immigration. I never took the course in law school. We didn't do any immigration law at the firm. So I knew nothing about it. And I was never interested. It never popped into my head as a, as a good opportunity. But I like the idea of just working maybe closely with one other lawyer and mm -hmm. he was closing his firm. So the offer was start your own firm and he'll help you. And I was like, huh, that's kind of interesting, right? I have this BCom. I like interest. I, I, I like business. I like the idea of being, of being my own boss. Let me look into this immigration thing because I've never, I don't, I don't know anything about it. And I looked into it and I quickly saw this was back in 2017. All these new programs were coming out. Canada was making a, a real name for itself on, on the global scale. Quotas were high and rising. And, and uh, anyways, I did some research. I talked to people. I talked to them. And I said, you know what? Let's give it a try. And that's how I decided to get into immigration law. Here we are almost six years later. And uh, I guess I'll be one of those lawyers who ever gets asked, hey, how did you, fall, you know, get into immigration? I was like, well, someone suggested it. And here I am this many, this many years later. And, and never underestimate the power of uh, serendipity and happy accidents, that sort of thing. Because this, yeah, this random, because you probably knew this uh, friend for a while and probably knew this friend's dad for a while and never crossed your mind to kind of uh, do that. So I'm, I'm glad that you were doing that. And, and now you've kind of switched a little bit more where you're a little bit more on the tech side of things. Can you talk a little bit about that journey? Yeah, so what happened there was we, we quickly built up a firm with a focus on tech companies. So we, I started working closely with Canadian tech companies, helping them bring tech workers into Canada. So we, we got really good at doing work permits for tech workers. Mm -hmm. And a few years went by and I'm working with all these cool companies. They're building these new things. Half of them I don't even understand, but they're, you know, <laughs> they're doing well. They're raising money. They're building teams. They're solving big problems. And I'm, and I'm going home and filling out PDFs by copy and pasting and like, you know, doing non-technical stuff. So I was like, why is there no tech in immigration? And eventually it just nagged at me for so long. And I was like, well, there's no other companies really doing this. I have the expertise. Like, let's give it a try. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that was kind of the thinking. And eventually I, I teamed up with techies, you know, the, the people who can actually build the software. And decided to start Visto. And, and here we are. So now it's been about three years. We've raised money. We've launched multiple products. Uh, and I've learned a heck of a lot because building a service-based business is surprisingly very different from then building a tech company. So I've now exper experienced both. And um, it's been really interesting, exciting. I've learned a lot. Uh, it's humbling. And uh, I get to kind of, you know, experience both sides of, of the coin of like a service space, but I don't really do that anymore. Now I'm, you know, pretty much fully focused on Visto and don't really do any law anymore. And I'm okay with that for now. And, um, 
it's yeah, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun. So where the two converge is is very fun for me. I get to use my lawyer hat to help kind of design, you know, think about where we want to go with our technology and help design it and the logic and the algorithms and the systems that go in behind it and then uh, help build it, test it, sell it, all that kind of stuff. For sure. And looking forward to have you back to kind of share updates of your adventures and different escapades along because it will be a very interesting one. And I'm kind of thinking that, well, for, for the why isn't tech in there? I, I mean, the, the law, the profession of law, you, you charge by the hour, right? So if things take less time, you, that's not necessarily a good thing. <laughs> so, well, in, so maybe interestingly that, enough, in, in immigration, we tend to, at least in our line of business, which is filing applications, study permits, work permits, PR, the the industry norm is actually not to charge hourly. Is We'll charge okay. fixed fee. Hey, you want us to submit okay. this, we'll charge you X. There are certain areas of immigration, maybe like appeal work and stuff like that, where hourly is a little bit more popular, but not so much in immigration. So it is surprising mm -hmm. because with tech, we could technically charge the same amount, but spend half the amount of time if we use technology to save us time. I think the biggest problem, Luki, is that when you're working as a lawyer, there's not that much incentive to be more efficient, not because some of them do charge hourly, but in, in our case, it's just most lawyers make enough money just being a lawyer. So they're like, well, why do I want to go spend tens of thousands of dollars to hire tech workers and build all this custom stuff, right? Yeah. So th the problem with some areas of legal tech is it's harder to find good domain experts. And what I mean by that is, let's say if you're, let's say you're going to build a piece of technology in marketing, right? You go find someone who's good at marketing and you pair them up with a techie and they go build it, right? To build legal tech, you're probably going to need a tech worker and somebody who's an expert in that area of law. The problem is it's harder to entice that person away from what they're doing because they're making good money, right? Yep. So um, we need more lawyers to put that creative and, and kind of like innovative hat on. And there, it, it happens more and more every day now. And, I'm, and I meet more of them every day now, which is really exciting because it means the tech space in law will continue to advance even quicker. But that's my hunch as to why, especially certain parts of law, have not innovated quite as quickly as, you know, fintech, prop tech ag tech, ed tech, et cetera, et cetera. It's harder to right. peel those experts away from their cushy jobs or cushy firms or cushy salaries to, you know, maybe take a <laughs> co-founder salary and go build a tech company. Sounds good. And yeah, I mean, the, the journey is still continuing. The adventures are still happening. And I'd love as, as we start to close things out, we'll, we'll hopefully have you back again for a deep dive into some of these other topics. But what would you say is some of your swike, the stuff I wish I knew earlier for young Josh in, in any uh, tumultuous times in your path? Uh, oh, what sort of advice would you give your younger self? That, that could be a whole episode in and of itself. You, <laughs> you quickly learn in entrepreneurship, everything like you have to, right? So what did I wish I knew? I wish I knew even before I started my first business, how hard entrepreneurship is not in the sense that it's theoretically hard. Business is not too complicated. Anybody listening to this can figure out the tactics, the strategies, stuff like that. It, I think more so than anything, it's like the day in, day out, week in, week out grind of if you don't do something, it's not going to get done. 
right? And unless right. you get to a point where you have a, you know, a big team where you can quite literally just delegate everything. But especially when you're starting out small service-based business, small tech company, pre-funding, et cetera, et cetera, you can't give something to an assistant. You can't hope something's going to happen. You can't hope that sales are going to go up next month, right? It is quite literally, and, and I'm sure you can relate to this, if you don't go out and do, do it, whatever it is, go network, go have sales calls, go cold call, go to networking events, uh, create content online, do your bookkeeping, file your taxes, right? X, Y, there's endless number of things to do. Mm -hmm. Then it's not going to get done. And that makes it really, you know, that can make it difficult, especially if things aren't going well, then you get down on yourself and there's nobody telling you to get up, right? So that, you know, when you have a job, you got to be there at 9, 8, whatever timing, 9 a.m. in the morning, or your boss is going to yeah. get upset with you. If you're your own boss, you don't have to get up. You don't have to do anything. <laughs> so it's, it's a great thing and a terrible thing that you can do whatever you want, but you have to do what you need to move forward, right? You could sleep in every day. You could work 10 to 2 and go to bed, right? But then you, your business might not be around for too long. So yeah. the mental fortitude and kind of internal motivation, and there's ways around that, you know, accountability groups and friends and motivation and, and stuff like that. So th there, there's answers to all these things. But that's probably the biggest thing that, that uh, I wish I knew going into it. The other thing that I'll mention is, Realizing how different building a tech company is from building a non-tech company or, or a service-based mm. business is, which is probably also different from building a consumer product type business, which I've never done, right? So sure. selling like a yeah. widget, right? Like a physical widget. And they're very different. I kind of thought, oh, you know, I've been building this firm for a few years. We're starting to do well. I'll just, you know, I, I start a tech company and it, it shouldn't be too different. It shouldn't It'll be work. too yeah. hard. Yeah. <laughs> and it was very different and it's been very hard yeah. for different reasons, but that also makes it challenging in, in a new, in a new, in a, in a great way. So for sure. I could go on for hours, you know, like I said, hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll come back for round two, but those are some of the, some of the big things. Yeah, I think those are great because uh, oftentimes uh, like entrepreneurship, it, it's hard to take a course or a class on it, that sort of thing. You have to experience it. I, I, I echo what you say where I like to tell people that I, I have the best boss and the worst boss at the same time because <laughs> <laughs> uh, sometimes like he, he's always on my back, right? mm -hmm. but sometimes he's, he's pretty chill, right? That sort of thing. Absolutely. So it's definitely that m mental fortitude and that motivation drive to want to do it, uh, which really helps. And then, yeah, the, the tech versus service. Um, so I, I'm now moving into the tech space as well. So I'd love to uh, probably exchange notes and, and learn a little bit from yourself as, as well. And uh, yeah, I think that's a lot of great uh, Swike stuff I wish I knew earlier. And uh, hopefully we'll have you back for a future episode. But if folks want to reach out and connect with you uh, or take a look at the, the future offerings that you have up, uh, where could they go to? Yeah, the best place is probably LinkedIn because that's a good home base where they can find everything. So you can check out our tech company, visto.ai, V-I-S-T-O.ai. Check me out or follow me on LinkedIn, Josh Shack. Now we'll, we'll put it in the description because spelling it out can be a fun activity. <laughs> uh, there's, I don't, I don't think there's too many more, so it'll be easy. Mention, mention this podcast if, if you do reach out to to connect, and uh, and I'll be happy to you know help or give advice if I can. And uh, I do some blogging as well, so I do talk about my like business journey, and I have a uh, a blog. It's called Solopreneur Grind. Uh, dot com. That's the website where I basically blog and share my experience as an entrepreneur, 
especially as a tech co-founder these days, right? As, as I'm spending so much time there. So probably those three are the best. Visto, my LinkedIn. I post a fair amount on LinkedIn and I share a decent amount on my blog as well. Sounds good. And we'll definitely link up all of those in, in the show notes. And uh, thanks so much, Josh, for sharing your journey and looking forward to having you back for a future episode. Thanks, Luki. Appreciate it. Take care. Thanks for joining us on the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier, the podcast. If you like the podcast, please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you found this podcast. And if you can give us a review, that would be very appreciated. Feel free to contact me on LinkedIn at Luki Danu, L-U-K-I-D-A-N-U, and the same on most social media platforms. And I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks. Bye.